the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 62 CP, Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. No Christians should serve the Lord with any preconceived notions of how God should treat you. In this parable, those who were hired first bargained with the landowner to receive a denarius for their labors. But those who were hired later, they left it up to the owner's generosity to give them what he felt was right. That's the attitude we ought to have. We don't bargain with God. You owe me something. This is what I'm working for. Leave it up to the Lord's generosity. And the great lesson here is that we should just leave it to God, who is generous and gracious to give us whatever he thinks is best and never serve him with any expectations of what we think he should give us for our service. We might feel like we deserve more for our service, but in fact, the privilege of serving the king of the universe ought to be plenty of reward by itself, not to mention the free gift of eternal life. Welcome to Verse by Verse. Today, Pastor Steve Kreloff is wrapping up a series of lessons about the love of money. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. And we're about to learn three lessons that Jesus taught in the parable of the vineyard workers in Matthew chapter 20. Before Jesus told the parable of the vineyard workers, he made a promise to his apostles and then another promise to the rest of us. He said in Matthew 19, 29, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. He may not need our service, but he certainly does reward it. Here's Pastor Steve. What a tremendous encouragement this ought to be to us, especially those of you who know the pain of severing ties with family members because of your faith in Christ. The Lord certainly has repaid you generously with an abundance of brothers and sisters in the family of God. And there is a closeness and a bond with this spiritual family that many of us never had with a physical family and far deeper than our physical family. You see, you and I receive far more from Christ than we ever gave up for him. But that wasn't all that Jesus said. In response to Peter's question, he went on in verse 30 to conclude his comments with a subtle rebuke for his men. They had that sinful attitude. What's in it for me? And Jesus responds in verse 30 with these words, but many who are first will be last and the last first. Now, what did our Lord mean by this little proverb? Many times we we use it in a lighthearted way to say, well, if you're in the back of the line, come up to the front. If you're in the front of the line, you're going to be in the back. It's not talking about anything in a lighthearted way. Way. Keep in mind the context. Jesus is responding to Peter's question. What will we get from you? What do we get for giving up everything to follow you? What he means is we apostles, 
We've given up far more than others. What do we get? And that appears to be that attitude that Peter's talking about. We have given up more than anybody else, Lord. We've been with you from the beginning. We've given up more. We've sacrificed more. We've served you longer. Longer than anybody else, Lord. What do we get? See, they felt that they were more deserving of rewards and blessings than other followers. Christ's proverb is a direct warning to Peter and to the other apostles that blessings and rewards from him, note this, they are not based on those who have served him the longest. Now, we're not talking about eternal rewards. We're talking about fellowship rewards, fellowship blessings here and now. They're not based upon who served him the longest or who may have served him the hardest or those who have given up the most for him. Instead, those who think that they are first and are the most deserving of his rewards, like the apostles, will not receive preferential treatment because they've served longer and harder, but will receive the same fellowship blessings, what he's been talking about, mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and being sustained by him and houses and all that. They'll receive the same fellowship blessings as all believers, even those who were saved but for a brief time in this lifetime and did not have as much hardship as some others have had. Now, how do we know this is what Jesus meant by these words? But many who are first will be last and the last first. Oh, we don't have to guess. We don't have to say, I think this is what he's talking about because the Lord went on to illustrate the meaning of this proverb by giving a parable, a story that is presented to us in chapter 20. Chapter 20 really just flows out of chapter 19. There ought not to really be a chapter division here because Jesus just continued. And what I want to do, we don't have to comment on every verse. You don't have to over-scrutinize a parable. You just get the gist of it. But I want to read to you this parable because this parable in verses 1 through 16 in chapter 20 explains what Jesus meant by the first will be last, the last will be first. Verse 1, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. When he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius for the day, he sent them into his vineyard. He went out about the third hour. He saw others standing in the marketplace. And to those he said, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I'll give you. And so they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did the same thing. And about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day long? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning, note this, with the last group to the first. When those hired about the 11th hour came, each one received a denarius. When those hired first came, they thought that they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they grumbled at the landowner, saying, these last men have worked only one hour, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the scorching heat of the day. But he answered and said to one of them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go but I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. 
Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I'm generous? So the last shall be first and the first last. Now this last line indicates that this is our Lord's explanation of the proverb. He repeats it just reversing the order. This is what he meant. Now, as I said, we don't need to scrutinize every detail of this story. That's not how you interpret a parable. That's not how they're intended to be interpreted. A parable is simply an earthly story that has a spiritual meaning, a basic spiritual meaning. It is intended to teach some key truths about God's kingdom by using matters pertaining to the daily life of the people of that era in order to illustrate these truths. Now, the story that Jesus told here is not difficult to understand at face value. It's not difficult at all. A certain landowner needed day laborers to work in his vineyard, so he went out very early in the morning, and he hired some men. He hired men who agreed to work for the payment of a denarius, which was the normal day's wage of that era. But later in the day, about 9 a.m., that's the third hour, he went out again and hired more men. Now, we're not told why he needed more men. Perhaps the harvest was greater than he anticipated, and he needed more laborers, regardless of why he hired more men. But instead of agreeing upon a set payment for these men as he did with the first men, he simply said, go and work in the vineyard and whatever is right, I will repay you. Whatever is right, just trust me, I'll give you what is right. And this landowner repeated the same thing with other workers whom he hired, we're told, at noon, then 3 p.m., and even at 5 p.m., which was just an hour before the end of the workday. And when the time came to give everyone their wages at 6 p.m., the landowner paid the men he had hired, note this, last, the men he hired at 5 p.m., last, he paid them first. And surprisingly, he paid them a full day's wage, a denarius. Remember, this wasn't their agreed-upon wage. This was simply what the landowner graciously decided to give them. They didn't know what they were going to be paid. He said, "I'll I'll do what's right. He paid them a denarius. However, those who had been hired first upon seeing what the landowner gave to these men who had only worked an hour for him, initially thought that they would receive more money because they'd worked longer, they worked harder, they worked in the scorching heat of the day. Even though they had agreed to work for a denarius, when they saw his generosity with the men who had been hired last, they assumed they were going to be paid more. But when they received a denarius... Like the others, they were disappointed. They complained. They grumbled. They thought they should have gotten more. And in response to their complaints, the owner, the landowner, told them that he wasn't being unfair to them, even called them friends. And they should have no problem with their wages because that's what they agreed to work for. He did nothing wrong to them. He didn't go back on his word. He gave them what they said. They understood he was going to give them. And why should they be envious for those hired last who received as much as them but didn't serve him as long after all? It was his money. And if he wanted to be generous with those who came last, that was his prerogative. He did nothing wrong with these other men. He was just generous to those he hired after them. Now, folks, that's the simple, straightforward story that Jesus told about a landowner and the wages he paid those who served him. 
But the kingdom truths that it reveals address the very problem that had surfaced in the apostles' thinking. In this parable, the landowner is a picture of God. And the day laborers represent believers, all believers. Those who were hired first represents believers who were saved early in life and served the Lord for many years with hard toil and great sacrifice. And those who were hired last represent believers saved later in life who who did have limited years left for serving Christ. And the primary, primary message of this parable is to say that those who are first in terms of giving the most years of service and sacrifice for Jesus should not expect to receive more blessings from him than those who were saved later in life and therefore had limited opportunities to serve and sacrifice. Now, let me just explain. This is not talking about the crowns we get in heaven because in heaven, some will get more than others based on their faithfulness to the Lord. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about what Jesus had said, getting, getting new relationships, brothers and sisters in Christ, fathers and mothers and children, him sustaining you. Homes, if you need it. That's what he's talking about. We all get the same. We all get the same in the sense of that, those fellowship blessings. It is true that some have more material wealth in this world, some Christians more than others, but that's not what he's talking about either. He's just talking about across the board, every believer is promised. Whatever we lost in terms of relationships, he gives us back in abundance. That's what he's talking about. And what he's saying is no one gets preferential treatment. You see, God is gracious, and he rewards all believers the same in the sense that Jesus, as I said, has just mentioned, the same blessings of having homes, family members in the body of Christ, and daily provisions to sustain us. You see, this parable is intended to be a rebuke to the apostles for their greedy attitude in expecting the Lord to give them far more than any other believers because they gave up far more for him. And because, folks, sometimes we have the same stinky attitude and same greedy attitude, thinking that we deserve far more for serving Christ than some others, because we've worked longer, we've worked harder, we've sacrificed more. There are some key lessons that we can learn from this parable that are designed to purify our motives for serving Christ. There are three lessons that jump out at me. Number one, No Christian should serve the Lord with any preconceived notions of how God should treat you. In this parable, those who were hired first bargained with the landowner to receive a denarius for their labors. But those who were hired later, they left it up to the owner's generosity to give them what he felt was right. That's the attitude we ought to have. We don't bargain with God. You owe me something. This is what I'm working for. Leave it up to the Lord's generosity. And the great lesson here is that we should just leave it to God who is generous and gracious to give us whatever he thinks is best and never serve him with any expectations of what we think he should give us for our service. There there are believers who are angry with God because they don't feel he's treated them well. They have served him. They have won souls for him. And yet... Look what he gives them. Trial, have financial difficulties, their health is broken. What, what way is that to serve one of your servants? See, that's, a, that's a, an anger attitude towards God. Thinking that God owes us something. He owes us wealth. He owes us health. He owes us honor. But listen, God is no man's debtor. 
He doesn't owe us anything for serving him. He he owes us nothing. But he graciously chooses to give us these kind of blessings, and we need to make sure that, that the reason we serve him is because we love him and we have no strings attached and without any expectations, so you're never disappointed. You shouldn't serve him for anything. God can do with you whatever he chooses to do. He owes you nothing. Second lesson, none of us should ever think that we deserve more than any other Christian. Apparently, as I said, that was the prevailing attitude of the apostles. They felt they had given up everything for the Lord. They had been with him from the beginning, and therefore they deserve far more than others for their efforts. But you see, in this parable, the apostles are those laborers who were hired first, and they complained that others who didn't work as hard or as long as they did, they complained they received the same wages. They said, that's not right. It's not fair. That's the attitude that breeds jealousy and envy and a complaining spirit amongst Christians. That's exactly what the landowner said to them. Friend, I, I gave you what we agreed upon. Why is your eye envious? Because I'm generous with other laborers. You see, how the Lord blesses other Christians is really not your concern. It shouldn't be your concern. All we need to be concerned about is following Christ and his will for our lives. That's precisely what Jesus had to say to Peter later after our Lord's resurrection. Let me take you to John chapter 21. This is, this is an important passage of Scripture. It is an important lesson to learn, and that lesson really flows out of this parable. John chapter 21, notice this. This is after the resurrection. Peter has been restored to Christ. Remember, Peter denied him. He's been restored. Now, we read in John 21, starting in verse 18, the Lord says to Peter, Truly, truly, I say to you, When you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. Peter, you you did when you were younger. You were an active man. You did whatever you wanted to do. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now, what was he talking about? Well, verse 19 explains. Now, this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. Peter, you're going to die at the hands of your enemies. Peter was crucified for his faith. Tradition says he was crucified upside down because of his faith in Jesus. We certainly know that he, that he died. Someone took him where he did not want to go. But Jesus said, but you follow me. That's my plan for you. You follow me. But notice verse 20. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. That would be John, the apostle, the author of this gospel letter. The one who had leaned back on his bosom at the supper, and he said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? That's what John had said. So Peter, seeing him, meaning seeing John, said to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? You've told me what your will is for me. What's your will for this man? Will he die like that? Jesus said to him, If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. What a great truth, folks, for all of us to learn. What an absolute great truth. God has different wills and different plans for each of our lives. 
He may bless someone in an abundance more than us in this lifetime. What is that to you? What is that to me? We need to follow Christ. There is a third lesson. Recognize God's generosity in the blessings that he does give. The disgruntled laborers in this parable felt that the landowner was stingy with them because he didn't give them as much as they thought they deserved to be paid. And they complained. Folks, how many times do we complain about the way the, we feel the Lord treats us? It's not fair. We complain. As some of us have illnesses, hard times economically, some trials, some serious problem we face, and we really are disappointed, not with circumstances, but sometimes we are disappointed with God and circumstances as well. But we who know the sovereignty of God know that God is the author of circumstances. We feel disappointed with God because we think that he owes us something better because we've served him so faithfully. Listen, never be disappointed with God. Whatever blessings he bestows upon us, he does so out of his grace. As I said before, he owes us nothing. We are unworthy servants. He doesn't need to give us anything. And we should never serve him to get anything out of him. Serving him is our privilege. It is not a job with wages. So what are your motives in serving the Lord? Would you serve him if he didn't bless you? Would you serve him if there were no brothers or sisters, fathers or mothers or children in Christ or provisions in this world? Satan, that's what he accused Job. He accused him of only honoring the Lord because God had given Job so much. Satan said, take all these blessings away from Job. He'll curse you to your face. Job didn't do that because his love and service for the Lord was genuine. How about you? Is your love for Christ genuine? Is your service genuine? If everything was taken from you, would you still serve him because he is who he is? On December 4th, in the year 1857, David Livingston, the pioneer medical missionary to Africa, wrote these words explaining his motivation for serving Christ. He wrote, and I quote, I personally have never ceased to rejoice that God has entrusted me with his service. People talk a lot about the sacrifice involved in devoting my life to Africa, but can this be called a sacrifice at all if we give back to God a little of what we owe him? And we owe him so much that we shall never be able to pay off our debt. Can that be called sacrifice, which gives us the deepest satisfaction, which develops our best powers and gives us the greatest hopes and expectations? Away with this word. It is anything but sacrifice. Rather, call it privilege. Is that what you call it? I hope. It is a privilege to serve Christ, not a sacrifice. And if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you need to realize how kind and merciful and gracious he really is. So gracious that he desires to give you eternal life. He desires to give you that as a free gift that you do not earn at all. It is his to give to you. You must repent and trust Christ as the only way to heaven, and he will forgive you all of your sins. Let's bow for prayer, and as we do so, I'm going to ask Pastor Joe to come up and close us in prayer, and then you'll be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, we can only marvel at your grace. 
Lord, that while we were yet sinners, you chose to redeem us through the sacrifice of your Son. And Lord, we thank you for that, and yet we also know that our motives are corrupted at times. Forgive us when our hearts go astray, Lord. Help us even now think of those areas in our lives where the words of these scriptures penetrate us and convict us that we have wrong motives and wrong ideas about our service to you. Lord, give us pure hearts. Help us repent of those ways and help us serve you with joy and with truth solely out of our love for you. We pray all of these things, Lord, in the name of your Son, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. This concludes our series on the love of money. If you'd like to have a free audio CD with the sermon Pastor Steve just finished, I'll have a number to call in just a moment. It's also the number to call for directions to Lakeside if you'd like to visit. It's 727-441-1714. You can also call that number to help support Verse by Verse financially. We're thankful for all the generous listeners who make these broadcasts possible. Once more, the number is 727-441-1714. There's also a giving page on the Verse by Verse website, versebyverseradio.org. And while you're there, check out the Message Archive page where we have hundreds of previous broadcasts that you can stream or download. That's versebyverseradio.org. I'm Jerry Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.